0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse.
1: Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa.
0: Hello, I'm Terrence. Uh, Hi, I'm Will. And we're going to talk about The Green Odyssey by Philip Jose Farmer, First published in 1957. Apparently, this is his first novel. Um, I read it years ago, uh, probably as a LibriVox audiobook, the so one that everybody who heard the previous episode of this one will have heard, which was narrated by Mark Douglas Nelson, although he was just Mark Nelson at the time he recorded that one. Um, and then I, I thought uh, I'll go to Goodreads this morning and see who's reviewed it, and then guess who's reviewed it. <laughs> Will has reviewed it, which is interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. It makes, I, I read
2: it like last year, maybe. <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> um,
0: and what's funny is it makes me think that the universe is incredibly small. Uh, because I go to look up a book and there's like one of the very few people who's reviewed it is somebody who I just happened to be talking to this morning. Um, so I think my theory is correct. The world is incredibly small, but it's only for people who read books, right? Like we're a very, um, you know, there's uh, maybe 700 of us
1: <laughs> <in>
0: a, <laughs> on the planet. I uh, gathered, uh, what, four or five of us together. Um, of those 700 and the rest are the podcast listeners. What, what do you think? Does
3: this I, think the, I, th- I think theory bo- hold up? I think the bookish uh, uh, community does is smaller than people think. At least the intense bookish community. I think the, there's there's uh, shells of intensity of bookish community going all the way out to the people who occasionally read a people magazine mm. now and again. But people who actually go search out and read books is sadly always been smaller than people estimate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it was probably bigger um, when there was n- fewer mediums
3: of entertainment, you know.
1: I don't uh, think I don't so. Agree. I think I so too.
3: I, 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 I think people were doing other things and it's just like it's more obvious now people are on their phones or surfing the internet or well you're yeah, reading what have on your you. phone, well, but
0: it's not I, mean, I, I don't book, think we've right?
3: lost the readers so much as people are doing more people are doing those sorts of things now and they were just doing other things back then. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Uh, as a as an avid lifelong reader, mm-hmm. I read less than I used to read. Is that do you think, think
0: to do with your age? Just like yeah, as a kid, you're voracious <laughs> and eating everything, right? Like that's what um, I I think it's I partly
1: partly my age, but it's partly uh, just being all distracted, always distracted. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah.
3: Mm. Okay. I, I, I could buy me, that. I tell mean,
0: me more, uh, Will, because you, you're you're agreeing with mysa and. I mean, I'm, I have this podcast. That's what makes me read so much, right? Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Jesse. Thank you for this podcast. Yes, thanks, Jesse. You're welcome. But, thank uh, you, Jesse.
0: I was, I, was, I, I was doing it for myself. I'm just saying, like, um, I, I can see that pull because I, I have a feeling that um, just as a sort of a, on a scale, kids, you know, they don't produce as much, um, I don't know, creative work. And when they do, it's shittier than adults i think um
1: not all kids
0: no I, obviously hashtag right? but just as a general not all kids. oh god <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> what are you saying paul uh, what i'm no. saying is like i think you go through a consuming <laughs> phase and then um you take all that in and then you can use it later on uh you know like for example stephen king right he is massive producer but I don't think he reads as voraciously as he did when he was a kid. Obviously, however voraciously he read, it was fr- pretty fucking voraciously, right? Um, and I often hear this from science fiction writers when they're being interviewed. They they don't read a lot, or not even just science fiction writers, just writers in general. They don't read nearly as much as they used to. And I, I don't know if that's because they're busy with their life and their kids, or if they're just uh, busy with um, producing in some way you seem to have way more free time as a kid, even though essentially it's the same number of hours in the day.
2: Yeah. Well, you're responsible for less, but I mean, for me, I feel like I've, I've been, uh, you know, maybe it's, I go through spells, but I I feel like I'm in a low executive function period. So I'm like not consuming as many like, uh, books and I'm like consuming more, uh, comic books and television shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I think but, uh, that's absolutely true. Keep going.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like to the like original question, I think they're like, I mean, you know, in 1957 when this book was published, like you could like buy like a selection of science fiction novels at the grocery store or at like the news agent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now, if you like go down to like uh, like the drugstore or whatever, you like there might be like one science fiction novel, but there's like only ten novels.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, I do think people used to read more. Um, I think they like probably like, uh, were like, you know, reading the equivalent of television, but mm-hmm. like, that's fine. That's um, what pulp
0: magazines are. I think.
2: Yeah. And I think that's what this story, I mean, this novel, I, I forget, uh, what magazine it was originally published in, but it's like, you know, very much a pulp novel, right? Yeah. Um, Ballantyne.
0: I, I think it was Ballantyne, but, um, it's, uh, it was it was um 57 so let's see it yeah it's valentine i think oh, is that the original hmm in any case um it's got a uh it's got, it it's very con- this is a very consumable novel um i think <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i think it's designed to be read in a day it's 6 hours to listen to right and i when i was in massive consuming mode as a young person where you know i picked up and read basically every science fiction book i lay my hands on um i would uh i would be able to finish one of these in a day um this now it took me a week (laughs) and (laughs) and, uh honestly uh it wasn't quite a week because i was listening at 1.7 times speed uh for some points because i started late seven times speed 1.7 yeah
3: Oh, 1. oh 1. 1.7. Okay. 7, yeah. Not yes. seven
0: times speed. Oh, no. no. 1.7. Uh, 1.5 is sort of my normal, um, unless the narrator's, you know, already brisk. But 1.7 is, you know, you can really speed through. I, I did it basically 90% of the book yesterday. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I had to make some deliberate <laughs> choices to do it. But I, I think, I think, Paul, you're wrong. I think that it's just, there are so many more ways of s- spending your free hours.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, uh, first of all, video games, right? Oh God, yeah. Video not, games are time sinks, right? Computer games. Not, t-
3: I have computer, to- computer games, uh, binging, streaming. I'm not denying that there are more distractions than ever, but I'm, but my 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 argu- my uh, my argument is I wonder how many readers we've really lost as far as core readers who will read no matter what i think it was may, artificially may, may, may.
0: inflated at, at, at in the old days right like when when newspapers were just coming out um most people were not readers but by the time newspapers are in full swing like 1900 the majority mm. of people know how to read still there's people who don't as a percentage um but, uh, uh, for example, I was tweeting about, uh, this magazine, great, great magazine called The Black Cat, uh, which is a weird tale sort of, uh, some people argue with me that it's not weird. Like, uh, some people on the internet say I'm, I'm inflating it, but I don't think, I don't think I am. It was a very interesting magazine. Uh, by the way, Misa, that's the first, uh, Jack London story. Um, Was
1: in Weird Cat? The Black Cat.
0: The Black Cat. And what, what's, it's, I think it's titles from the Edgar Allan Poe story of the same name. And it has a ton of, uh, fantastic stories or weird tales or science fiction stories as well as a lot of regular stories. Cool. Um,
1: cool. Did it, did it not last very long? It,
0: it lasted a fair amount of time, uh, you know, maybe 10 years or so. Um And uh, I was tweeting about it because I was somebody put a, cl- a collection together of the fantastic stories that were in it, and uh, I was taking pages out and tweeting them and this is one of them: money for storytellers, one hundred dollars for a ghost story, one hundred and fifty dollars for a story of adventure, two hundred dollars for a story of mystery, five hundred for a detective story, one thousand for a love story and <sighs> I tweeted about the equivalent of and like there is a story I I I put up the first page of and I said, you know, this story uh won a thousand dollars as a prize for the you know, that's a lot. That was mm-hmm. a a lot uh of prize money for the time. It was designed to attract writers. And in fact that's why London was attracting. It's no to the wonder magazine, it's right? Jack
1: at that time, wasn't he like just pitching everywhere
0: he was and he was writing for a, the, his first story came out in in the black cat but it wasn't his first story to come out right oh okay um but he was he was writing up a storm at that time but this is the the story that convinced him to you know quit uh being a fish policeman
4: right
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and become a writer and of course he went on to be one of the richest writers uh of all time <laughs> because he was so successful but uh just so you know a thousand dollars uh for a story in 1918 that's 99 is thousand 20, 20 dollars in 2020 or 2019 that's not chump change wow. and there's a reason for it there was a demand you know that, um, for writing you know
1: that the average writer in canada right now so like public makes $7,000 a year. Let's put this into perspective.
0: Absolutely. And I I, I was just looking at the I think it's Sirsova or Sisrova. I can't Sirsova, Sisrova. Sirsova, I think. Sirsova. Yeah, I always spell it wrong. I don't know
2: what the Yeah, I always want to means. call it like Servosa and it's like it's just not it. Sirsova, <laughs> uh, please. Like I, I try to send him tweets and I send them to the, like to no one. Yeah. Like um
0: they their pay rate is 0.00125 cents. A word, so that's less than one point five, point zero zero one two. So it's like, yeah, one and a half cents a word or something like that, right? God, which is ridiculously low. So uh I ac- uh, accidentally, I I sort of half sub. I had a student write a story. Um, and I had I have submitted it to them as just a joke because I was proud of my student, and yeah. he says if you seriously want to send this, you need to delete that tweet and <laughs> and-, <laughs> and send it through the proper channels. <laughs> I'm like, wow, well, whatever. So I asked my student. And he said, yeah, sure. So I don't know if it's going to get published in there, but um, if he- I t- I did the calculation, he would get paid sixty dollars, uh, which is great for a kid. You can't mm-hmm. fucking live on $60 if it, you, you know, you barely live on that if you make it per day, right? And that, yeah. and that took, uh, three, three major classes and a lot of Jesse help, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's, yeah. um, uh, yeah. So what I think is pretty amazing is that, um, Philip Jose Farmer obviously has read a lot of stuff. He consumed a lot of stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then he produced this as his first book. It's pretty damn good for a first book, very consumable but um as i, I, I didn't read your your review well because i i didn't want to I wanted you to save it for the podcast but I, <laughs> I read other people's reviews, and I think most people like this uh, a lot. I think they like it a lot, and then a lot of people don't like it, and the mm-hmm. people who don't like it are missing how big the world building is how rich the world building is and for an incredibly short and fluffy story yeah is that what your review said
2: <laughs> no no i agree with you though the, the, the world building's like really intense on this He's i have good, no idea, right? uh what i put into that review okay. um it was a year ago uh, go ahead no it was a year ago you wrote it so it's no surprise. yeah yeah so i I, yeah, I have no idea what i said about it uh I wonder if I even agree with it uh, now. <laughs> um, well, you read it again? Right? Yeah, I've read it again since then. But uh, you know, I mean, it's it's super consumable. It's like this like fun like swashbuckling thing, mm-hmm. but then like you know, it's like like fill in his novels. He always like you know he's uh, obsessed with a number of topics, and it's like uh, he's like really into like cultural differences and like. Uh, linguistics etymology all of this stuff so uh yeah i mean he like builds like this like like an intense series of cultures and like talks about how they relate to each other and what the different cultures think about each other and then like gives them this like like backstory and prehistory and it's all it's all very breezy though still like it's it's really good
0: i you know that's i just looked up my own review (laughs)
1: are you on there too are you on goodreads too
0: no i i i I refuse to write for goodreads because i'm like i'm not giving them my fucking words for free (laughs) i'll put them on my own blog so i used to write a lot of i used to write a lot of reviews and uh this this is we're gonna be pretty funny um listen to this uh december 21st 2006 um this audiobook was created on a dare Back in November 2006, I challenged anyone to make an unabridged, single-voiced audiobook from a list of titles of public-domain speculative fiction that had not previously been released as audiobooks. This is the first audiobook to complete that aforementioned quote-unquote SFF audio challenge. With its completion, the narrator has won himself a copy of, get this Will, Galactic Pot Healer by Philip K. Dick. (laughs) (laughs) I just sent Will a copy of that, (laughs) as read by Tom Parker, a.k.a. uh, Grover Gardner, who's a great narrator. Uh, Congratulations, Mark. Now on to the review proper. (laughs) The Green Odyssey roughly Roughly parallels the adventures of the original Odysseus, except that Hmm. the Mediterranean Sea here is instead a sea of grass on an endless plain on an obscure alien planet. Perhaps most original in this tale are the ships that sail the grass sea and the land dominant on this land dominated planet. This idea of sails and roller ships to ply the prairie between cities is a neat one. Something similar was used in the Dragonlance AD&D module Dragons of Ice by Douglas Niles. Uh, the lead character, Alan Green, is an Earthman who has been shipwrecked, or is that spacewrecked? On a planet, uh, Jesse's a
2: good writer here. <laughs> You're a genius, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on on a planet inhabited by a branch of quasi-medieval Homo sapiens sapiens, if his alien origins were to be revealed, they'd think him a demon. For two years already, he's been enslaved and humbled. The worst of it is being forced into the bed of a lusty but fickle duchess. Her merest <laughs> her merest whim could mean his death. So when Green hears of two strangers like himself, who have come from the sky in a strange ship. He perk, his ears perk up. Upon further investigation, it seems two demons are being held in a distant city. With a, uh, I, I got the chronology here a little bit wrong, I guess. Uh, with a death sentence not too far off in their future, in their futures, Green hatches a shrewd escape plan with a wily merchant. His only problem, his adopted family wants to go with. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> this is an exuberant adventure it reminds me of vintage pole anderson in fact the whole novel is kind of an inverse of anderson's excellent the high crusade i was just thinking that this morning <laughs> it yeah, also you, you, you anticipated that. i did well sort of i anti i reverse anticipated it it's also um, on my part yeah uh, it's also funny in the same smile and smirk way and let's no, and let's not forget the other virtues the Green Odyssey is quick. I often find this, the classic short novel, the 50s and 60s, to be the perfect length for SF. Moreover, Farmer has scripted lots of fun details for both uh, Robert E. Howard and Edgar Rice Burroughs fans. Yes, I was going to say that too. <laughs> this Jesse from my uh, past is stealing my thunder. The colloquial language is also fully realized and amusing. Now a word of caution. This is by no means a classic on the tale of To Your Scattered Bodies Go. I disagree with old Jesse. Jose Farmer's best-known work. This, That said, it is absolutely and addictively listenable. I plowed straight through the six-hour running time with nary a dry spell. Since it is free, thanks to the good efforts of Mark Nelson, I can unreservedly recommend it to... (laughs) Even to people who would otherwise give it a miss. And then I talk about how good narrator Mark is, um, which everyone will have heard by this point. So I will not go into that part. But this guy, he can write pretty good reviews,
2: couldn't he? Yep.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he he was going places.
2: <laughs> and then he stopped. Yeah, I wonder what ever happened to him. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably nothing good. So, no, uh, something bad, obviously. Okay. Yeah. So let's address the uh elephant
0: in the room. Um the misogyny? Oh no, I was going to say uh um Alan <laughs> Green's <laughs> wife. <laughs> um sh- her name is Amra. 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 That's Conan's name. Right? Conan is called Amra by queen, by um uh Bellet or Bellet, uh, queen of the Black Coast. Right? That's right.
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't that. know that. I That's not that, an elephant I, in my room.
0: It just appeared. <laughs> well, but it's a reversal. So, so she is like, it, it's interesting. I was thinking like, th- this is one of those, uh, books that if you threw it in the gendered reading project or whatever it is, so you could swap all the genders and the characters. Yeah. If Alan became Alana, um, <laughs> it would be interesting, an interesting book because, uh, because, one of the things I notice about Farmer is that he's obsessed with sex in a way oh, yeah. that oh, is God, different yes. from, like, it's different from Heinlein. He's much more cool about it, kind of. But yeah, he's no, also, Farmer's
2: not okay with sex. He's just obsessed with
0: it. Yes, but but he's cool <laughs> with it in a way that Heinlein is, Heinlein's, like, sort of... Uh, i don't know Leary. <laughs> uh, like you don't want to yeah. be his cousin who's really attractive you know
2: <laughs> yeah well i mean i feel like um like i feel like phil's uh phil's sexuality is a bit more tortured than like Heinlein's i don't know like um there's like there's not the like when there's sex and phil stuff there's not like the prurient element to it right like the the protagonist of this story starts out as like a royal gigolo like yes. like refers to himself as such and uh like i mean it's not like there's nothing titillating about it it's like
0: no it's kind it's of just, funny
2: that it's it's, yeah. it's
0: it's so oh god i, I, I she's so stinky
3: <laughs> she's, yeah <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Un- un- unwashed yes
0: and also covered yeah. in perfume right to cover <laughs> up the yeah the stink yeah Mm because she doesn't wash because you know they Uh, didn't wash because they're medieval right
3: (laughs) well well, i I mean having spent the last two weeks i spent two weeks in Nepal where we didn't have a lot of showers i could appreciate the problems of same oh no well there's not a lot of running water up in the mountains so yeah we went for days at a time without a shower and where we could get a shower it cost so yeah so, so, so when I read this, I was like, oh, well, I, I've i experienced that recently in a small moment. I mean, not two years on a planet, but still, I mean, five days without a shower, you kind of notice, mm-hmm. especially when everyone around is all doing the same thing. It's like, right. eh. And when you finally get a shower, like, oh, God, um, I mean, I mean, this is the this sidebar. When we finally got the Katmandu into full running water, I mean, I stood in the shower for 45 minutes in bliss. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm going to clean again. Anyway, so yeah, so yeah, the, th- those parts of the novels were really um, resonant with me because of my recent experiences. Did you
0: quick- uh, did you get uh, paired with a rando wife uh, <laughs> who was nagging you, but also quite sexy? Um,
3: r- r- no, no, I, I did not. I did not meet anybody quite like Amra. I mean, I mean, um, um, Amra, Amra's depiction here in the novel. I mean, at, at points, he. I mean, he's. She's not written well. She's written as uh capricious is not the right word because I I I, I think I think we should just go for a massage. Str-
1: strong
0: personality.
1: I, I, I think right, right, not really so. I as the as the token woman here <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
3: I mean the whole henpecking thing in the and the tone that that farmer gives
1: yeah I didn't, I didn't he didn't bother like sometimes some of these books that we read i i just like i can't i don't even sometimes i don't even want to do the podcast but <laughs> this one i mean a, it's
3: not as bad as some of what we've seen but it did it, 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 it did feel like uh green was the hen pet oh uh, he's a hen pet husband who also has to service the duchess sort of
1: it was fun though. That. he did it in such with such fun yeah like it, it, it was, was hard to, to be it was hard to hold any grudge against him because it was just too like playful I, I, i'm holding a grudge more against farmer than
3: than green himself as a character yeah. Makes sense.
2: well uh, yeah i think that like insofar as like you know green does the like the hidden husband act which like i mean there's like a certain amount of like like Green has a certain amount of self-awareness that he's like like not a good person, like with mm-hmm. regard to his relationship to Amra. Like um there's a, a like Yeah, he's gonna, gonna know, abandon his own kid at one point,
3: right? He's gonna abandon his family. Like what I mean, that's I mean, yes, I can understand that because he wants to get off of this planet, but I mean it's I mean if he hadn't already had also had a daughter by her I might kind of exist, but it's like okay, you're gonna abandon your wife and your daughter, who you, who you uh, fostered upon her to escape the planet.
1: That's kind yes. of shitty, dude. He, he's he's not a good person.
3: Not- <laughs> well, no, he, he ends up a
0: good person.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yes.
3: So it, it takes a lot for him to actually get on the right track. I mean, he he has to he has to be steered like one of those windships or like the island into. He us. has to be
0: henpecked into it. Is what you're saying?
2: I'm not. <laughs>
0: <kidding>. <laughs> it's like,
2: yeah. And I I always um. I mean, this is like a this is a trope in farmers' novels too. I mean, I like it does like um. Uh I think I might have been more suspicious of it in my like first review of this book. Um but uh you know the his um he's got he's anyway like the there's a recurring figure of like like the nagging wife or the uh like um uh or like in the case of the duchess like it's like a powerful like uh female figure who is just like basically selfish and evil. Mm-hmm. Um like i mean i mean to put it bluntly uh and um i don't know like you like i've kind of like been around like uh farmer fandom for a few years and it's like a tight-knit group of people who like you know uh most of the people actually like knew phil and like Mm. knew his wife and it's like it's weird to like you know like not impose like autobiographical stuff Mm -hmm. on this like what was like farmer like what was phil's relationship to his wife betty um and you know it seems like uh you know like it's like it's like phil like resents like you feel like phil's like resentment of like oh i have to like work my whole life and like not just write novels and now he's like finally writing novels but I don't know. Um like there is something uncomfortable about it, but there's like a certain self awareness that like uh you know, is like the like morally upstanding figure here and insofar as like Alan does the right thing, it's because like Amra has like like foolishly chased him and like tried to reform him. Mm-hmm. Like But she's uh, really smart too. Like yeah, he gives yeah. her
1: a lot of brains.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: I, I, I mean I mean the whole
3: point at the end of the day like she's probably gonna rule the sea wash she's it.
1: while he's gone
3: like yeah I could see that Give me yeah the, for the island and that power well, yeah. that's why
0: that's where that queen of Bl- the black coast element comes in right so uh, oh yeah <laughs> it's it's almost a reversal right uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that Conan uh I saw a question on a reddit thread it said how many children does Conan have? Um the technical answer is zero unless you like look into the comics where he's got uh, you know, heirs and stuff when he's king. But he's he's a playa. He's he's all over the every story that basically there's a girl, um, and she's very new bile and he's uh in a time where, you know, they didn't have birth control. So there's gonna be a lot of kids out there. So what I I feel like it's almost like he took that the title uh, the green odyssey uh, for when i first saw the book i thought it was called the green odyssey because he's traveling over green grass but it's because it's his name right yeah
2: yeah, it's his, yeah. I was, or it's both. both it's, both, I it's think.
0: both exactly and then the odyssey i was thinking oh well that's you know homer <laughs> obviously <laughs> um and then if you remember the odyssey there's a, a number of scenes that are really funny but it, the opening scene is—is is, I was going to say Conan, but it's actually Odysseus who is trapped on an island with a goddess who won't let him go. Oh, right,
3: Circe, yeah, yes.
0: And there's actually another situation that like that that comes up. There's multiple times where he's he's trapped by a, a powerful woman, um, and uh, well, it's it's not Circe actually. Circe is it's Nasica. Is, is no Nasica's is not the it's um. It's the one who gives them the axe eventually. Uh, um, Calypso, I think. Is it Calypso? Uh, yes,
4: Calypso? Oh
3: yeah, Calypso, not Cersei. You're right. So it, starts, it starts with Calypso. Cersei's Jason,
0: no, no. Yeah, no. Cersei's, Cersei's in there too, and and uh, she she wants to do the same. She wants to trap the man. And there's a there's a Philip K. Dick story that uh, I was thinking about this week because I was listening to that. Uh, Our opinions are correct podcast. You guys know that one.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and we knew it's until he did. Right.
0: It they, they did a show on, uh, I was, I was not going to tweet about it because tweeting about something in, in the negative, uh, without being able to explain why it's negative is a bad thing, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and in any case, they did a show on, uh, what was the top, what was the topic? It was, oh, um, the myth of the, of the, uh, rugged individualist, um, in science fiction. Um, and the, the art that they used was actually not science fiction. It was, it was, uh, Clint Eastwood in one of those, you know, spaghetti westerns, right? And that is absolutely the rugged individualist sort of story coming from the Japanese, you know, uh, Ronin, uh, Sanjuro, and more importantly, uh, you know, Yojimbo. It, it has an origin, right? Uh, and then it's translated to the American, and there is this idea of, you know, the John Wayne, um, sort of tough guy who doesn't need anybody, and rides into town and can do everything. It's, it's sort of the highlining and competent. They almost never talked about. I, I they they mentioned a couple of authors, but they never mentioned a single story. Um, and that really bugged me because you know it's a, in science fiction, but you're not giving an example. So I was thinking of my own examples, and one of them is a story called Strange Eden by Philip K. Dick, which is uh, I think I covered it on Reading Short and Deep with Eric but basically it's uh a spaceship lands uh on a on a planet kind of like this right um and there's a lady on the planet who traps the man um and the man is are standing for odysseus but he has no wisdom no goddess of wisdom to give him advice so he becomes trapped in a way that odysseus would have right in fact it turns out that the lady on this planet is circe right she literally uh-huh. is circe mm-hmm. and yeah. she had gone to earth before and uh, trap man and Matt Odysseus and all that. And in fact, uh, when you, <laughs> well, when you're, you're talking about Phil, I, I, I keep thinking of Philip K. Dick because we do so many of those shows, but yeah,
1: all of his Phil, stories, Phil. <laughs> we get that
0: sense that when you read, uh, Philip K. Dick, all of his stories are autobiographical too. And, and so when he talks about children, he's talking about his own experience with his own children. When he talks about women, he's talking about one of his five wives or a girlfriend's, <laughs> uh, uh, there's five wives and then there's extra girlfriends and stuff. Right. So we see that sort of a lot. I, I I do think that the authors do project their own reality into what they're writing. But, uh, that story of this rugged individualist in, in, uh, his name is like Bront or Brunt or something like that. Right. Brent. Brent is his name. And he goes onto the planet and he's going to brag about, uh, how great a fighter he is and how great a sh- hunter he is. And then he's going to sell, sell real estate on this planet. And then this lady captures him and basically turns him into an animal, which he was originally is the point, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the, so this is like a, uh, engaging with that idea of individualism being ridiculous. I think this book is doing the same thing.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: It, and it's it, saying, it takes
3: a village to get off a planet.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> um, it, it, you, you know, you can't do it on your own. And, um, yeah, it, he, what he's done is he's, he's taken every male fantasy and says, not only does he get to have sex with the, the Duchess, but he also has a beautiful wife. Uh, and then he saddled them with a bunch of kids who aren't his. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the wife is,
0: and the, the, the gigolo job is not good. The dog hates him.
2: <laughs> right? yeah, he's he, getting bit by the dog he, all the time. That's right. He so sleep. he turns <laughs> it into
0: uh, all these positives that Conan, you know, who is, who's not science fiction, but a fantasy character, but I, I guess you know, could extend it. He is, he is essentially the rugged individualist. We never see Conan in his own home, right? In Samaria. He's the sole representative of the Samarians. So him wandering the world and conquering it you know treading it under his sandal's feet is a is an iconic sort of image and here he's taken that whole aesthetic along with that same kind of aesthetic that you see in um Philippos, not Filippozio Farmer uh Burroughs um, exactly Edgar Rice Burroughs is um uh, John Carter Right, where yeah. he's taken, and this is uh, this is how I classified it originally. It's a planetary romance. It's not mm-hmm. a science fiction novel in the normal sense. It's a it's a planetary romance in the same sense that Burroughs' novel is, except he uses rocket ships to get there, right?
2: And he plots. It's a it's down. a space age planetary romance. Yes,
0: and and it turns out in the background of all this swashbuckling, right, is a hard SF explanation for why the planet is the way it is, and.
3: Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, 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 I I was fascinated with that part of the world. It was like, as as, I'm going going through the novel along, uh, my geology brain is thinking, well, why the the hell could you have a grass sea Mm 10,000 miles across? Geologically, that's absolutely bonkers. I mean, he's saying this, he knows he's bonkers, but it's like, but what's the reason behind it? Because that should just not exist. And then finally we get wham. Okay. So, so, um, the, the uh the former um ancients, which were humans, engineered the planet this way. It's like that's brilliant. That mm-hmm. solves the solves the thing I've been hooking on for this entire novel. Like, why do you have this giant grassy that where there shouldn't be one? It's no, like they Atlanta, engineered this right? way, and they what's that?
0: It's like Atlanta. It's a it's a hub.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it, 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 it,
3: it, it's 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 basically uh, inter inter. Uh, interplanetary interstellar uh trading you change, hub and,
0: yeah you change planes you know, to get on to go to another you,
3: yeah it, i mean i i i really love those revelations it's like okay this is this, this felt like um four echoes of some other former stuff like two you scares spies go where we learn about all the technology that it, that creates the river world and all yeah. oh, and, and the World of Tears, where, where the technology basically build and make planets. So I, I think he was playing with some ideas here that he would take pieces of and go on into other novels. And yeah. I I really enjoyed like seeing, like, okay, so he's getting seeds for this and this and this. And he's going to take – because there's just so much stuff in here. He's going to take some of those and just make whole worlds out of just pieces out of that he was first – just thrown on to you, because as you were saying before, Jesse, you clearly write A lot of science fiction was thinking about a lot of science fiction. Put a lot of it here, and then decided, okay, I don't need to put that all in one novel. I can develop things elsewhere and start doing that. Otherwise, I mean, the, I mean, I, I was also thinking of um, Vance's Planet of Adventure in this case, as as far as to a spaceman trapped on a planet trying to figure out how to get off. Although Vance t- gives him makes him take four novels to get off and. He doesn't have any real connections to the planet except for a couple, couple of people with him until the last novel, where he, where Vance finally gives him a a would be wife that he actually takes off at the end. Here, well, at the beginning, ties him to the planet and get and puts that emotional conflict right from the beginning that he has. He has ties here. Yes, he could leave, but he's going to leave his wife and his daughter. So, I really appreciated that that emotional connection right from the get-go because it makes it simpler than like, Oh, I'm just going to run off the planet and leave. And rather than just putting obstacles away, he also has this emotional, obs- actual connection that he has to deal with throughout the novel.
1: Well, did okay, I'm, I I like what you said there? Cause, because the whole time I was reading this, I was, I felt like he was getting ready for his book two. Mm-hmm. Like he left yes. yeah, yeah. 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 He's so, just you, you put so much into the world. Yeah. yeah and and so if you if he went and did it, if because I I haven't read River world, I haven't read any of his other works. so if, if he took all these things that he left there and put them elsewhere, it makes me feel better because I felt like there was a, a book here that that didn't get written. Like, uh, that's what
0: I love about it is that he put all this effort in. And that's it. That's, that's the story. I love that, you know, uh, th- there's this whole thing where, you know, oh, there's so many questions left unanswered. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, though that's a feature, not a bug to me because, <laughs> because uh, honestly, there's, there's too many books where they keep. Like Jesus Christ! You've seen all the Star Wars explanations. They keep grinding out more meat from from the the pre story of the S- Star Wars. Right? Where did Darth Vader come from? Oh, we know that now. Well, where, what about the, these Bothan spies? Oh, we know the answer to that now. <laughs> no matter what, uh, it just is it's like mi- milking and milking and milking. The cow's been dry. I want that cow to be rich with cream.
3: <laughs> well, that well, that, that gets that gets to one of my my uh my convictions jesse that prequels are a bad thing you I, yeah. I, as a general yes there are exceptions but writing prequels is a bad thing
0: i i generally agree it's i, I think prequels are it, a bad it, thing too I,
3: i'm trying i'm trying to think of a prequel that's better than the original and that's a really that's a really high bar or even as good as the original and i would
0: say young indiana jones is is better than okay, all,
3: okay. except uh she school. and alan
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I haven't read. She, I haven't. I, I I keep trying to find a way to read she. Uh, but
2: I've uh, only. Uh, well, she and Alan is, is that a prequel or is is? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a prequel to. uh it, It's a it's a prequel to both um she and to the Alan Quartermain novels. Okay.
3: Up uh, here's a weird thing that I didn't connect till years later. Do you guys remember the 1980 Flash Gordon cartoon? Ish, maybe yeah. jesse does
0: i remember did, rocket robin hood
3: <laughs> i, 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 I didn't connect until years <laughs> later there's an episode in there which is where they basically just took a plot of she and threw it on mongo's like and basically made uh flash gordon into uh in in in, in into uh Alan. It's like wait what and i didn't realize what he said there and i watched it again it's like Wait, this is the plot of Sheep. I didn't even realize they decided to just rip off the entire novel and throw it on Mongo mm-hmm. as a, as as a thirty minute kids episode. It's like, huh.
0: We haven't heard from yeah. Terrence in a while. Are you okay?
3: Terrence has been quiet.
0: Yeah, I've been listening. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's that's ominous, Terrence. I,
0: I I've never been to this part of uh, the United States. You know, Indiana. Uh, that's where. Uh, farmer grew up but i'm looking at
3: yeah that's the center craton of the united States. yeah i'm looking at
0: the map uh you know the google image of the landscape and it is pretty much a grass sea from ohio (laughs) to nebraska right
3: oh Um, yeah Yeah. yeah i mean once you get west of pittsburgh it is flat from ohio to yeah the When you start rising up towards Colorado, I've driven across all of that, not all at one time, one half one way, one half the other way. Yeah, it is some of the most boring drive you will ever encounter. (laughs) Thank God for audiobooks.
0: Well, I I, yeah. I think you you know if you're sailing across it it's it's uh, I I love that that's just one feature of this. See that's why so many people would want to make sequel after sequel is because he's got such a great premise with these rolling ships, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, go it's, anywhere.
0: Go it really yeah. doesn't matter to the plot, except uh, it ultimately does matter to the world building. But the plot the plot of this could have been set in a fantasy world. Right,
3: it, it, it could it could have been set on a on a regular sea, That's and he right. gets shipwrecked.
0: That's right, and the fact that he sets it on a grassland, um, and then comes up with a way to do, you know, we heard we hear about the tower of the grass cats. Um, and uh, like, <laughs> what the hell's a grass cat? Uh, and I'm just <laughs> thinking like a house cat, and we actually do have a house cat in this, right? Um, what's what's the uh, his cat's name?
2: Lady Luck, Lady Luck, Lady Lady
0: right? Um. Uh, he was
2: so sweet like and like that feels autobiographical right i think so yeah cats show up in his novels pretty
3: pretty often yeah yeah.
0: philip k dick's always going on about his cats right there's a i think that this sort of um writer the guy who takes his own life and then just looks at it as a you know strange reality um and then you know builds a plot but basically is telling about it telling us about him himself or herself um is a it's kind of the thing that makes you enjoy it so much right the the yeah. kind of obsession that people have with philip jose farmer i have never been obsessed with philip jose farmer i like his stuff but it was never like that but um i feel like i could go that way because in the same way that um I'm, i've never been obsessed with edgar rice burroughs the way that the, you know, there, there are Burroughs fanzines still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is a hundred years ago, right? 1912 is the first Burroughs story. I just tweeted, uh, the, the first, uh, a scan of the first issue and it was like, this is a really important and maybe the m- most, most interesting pulp you'll ever see. Right. It's like, because it's not on the cover. It's not mentioned on the cover. It doesn't get the cover art. Um, and he doesn't even use his own name. Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs and yet uh that story got turned into a movie that I think is pretty good and would have probably spawned a whole sequel series if they had marketed it properly
3: um, grumble, grumble, John Carter, grumble.
0: Seriously, that's it, a really good movie.
3: I know it, it, it's also, it's also, it's like on Netflix or Amazon right now. Because I was flipping through and it's like, oh, it would make. I a, have, to, I have if, that. If you I want to that.
0: start a net, uh, you know, one of those streaming services like all the companies are doing right now, that's a that's one that you'd be foolish not to do as a show, because not only does it oh, have, yeah. not only does it have, uh, you know, a, a great start um it has endless stuff to work with and then you know you want to expand you don't have to spin off deja thoris you can spin off uh you know Carter of Venus right <laughs> yeah. and then the, yeah. he's got he's you know he's got all these uh he's he's already built up a whole world and that's i guess going right back to what i i, I was saying with and paul was disagreeing with at the beginning uh that that you know the tv and the games and all the other stuff that take our time away from what was reading and listening to, not listening to music, but playing music in the household, you know, more than a hundred years ago, uh, is been replaced by, you know, uh, playing computer games, you know, playing computer games and video games and iPhone games and, you know, Twitter games, right? <laughs> Facebook games. And, uh, occasionally going out to watch a movie, although that's in de- massive decline, I think, um, even despite the numbers. Um, and, uh, you know, re- reading, especially reading have all been replaced. Um, not that, that there aren't any readers anymore. It's just the percentage of the population willing to spend money on something when they're not going to get time to it, right? So just, oh, you even hear this from regular, you know, re- readers who want to read a lot. There's too many books to read, right? <laughs> they stack up it too high. Doesn't
3: stop me from reading. Yes. I mean, my, no, but
0: if you are a person who's not inclined to read, though, that's a sh- that shame is hard to get over. And I think it, yeah, it, it is. It it, it yeah, makes you so. say, I, uh, you know what, I'm going to stop buying these things because they're taking up space. But um,
2: well, uh, well, I mean, in like the the culture that like some readers have is very like. Like, we're the good people because we read books. You yes. Know? Like, yes. We're the good we are ones. smarter. We like, are better.
0: We are the elite. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that,
3: that's, that's, there's fancy, a lot of people who buy
0: books. Thing. No, yeah. but there's a lot of people who buy books in the elite class, right? Who, uh, award people books and they buy books, but they don't actually read them, right?
1: Oh, they stack them nicely on the table. They stack them nicely. They, the them
0: nicely. they put yeah. them on the shelf. They decorate their home with it. I mean, this is sort of a, a trope of, you know, the nouveau rich. He goes and buys library by the foot, right?
3: Well, wait, the, the, no, the Strand bookstore in New York City will sell you books exactly. by the
0: foot. And the reason they're doing that is not because – you are looking for you know volume 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 you're looking for yes. volumes to fill spaces to show that you're a super genius like those of old who read books all day I, i'm is,
3: yeah I was like i if neatness says you i'd be reading gibbon and so here's my collection right. of books like yeah, yeah they don't
0: even know who gibbon is right
3: <laughs> yeah it's like they think he's a monkey
0: let's hear from the quasi european australian point of view on on these very North American weirdos
4: I don't know I, I think um, coming to France was good because um, there's less production so I read all the time but I read a lot of philosophy and a lot of science fiction but there's um, there's less of it and it's less so, available yes and less, less produced I think So as long as I read, um, I I still read, for philosophy I read uh, almost 100% in in French. Um, In science fiction I read in English. Mm -hmm. But um, that lets me concentrate on the essential. Um, I can't read everything, but in my small little uh, set of domains um, I can can read um, virtually everything. So that, um, that gets, away, gets me away from the, the aspect that there's too much and that uh, I don't know what to read next, mm-hmm. and, and that paralyzes me. Um, and I agree, you, you, need, you need a sort of a, a supplementary force to make you read today. And so the podcast and with me, um, my, my blog, um, which i've been doing for mm. almost 10 years i think um that um uh, has uh made me um read more deeply but also uh read more mhm
0: yeah I, I used to blog a lot and then um i i got burned out in, in the writing <laughs> um and it takes time. uh well but also like you know there's only so many ways to say uh, stuff about a book like basically i i, I felt like i i didn't want to ever reuse a metaphor you know and it's so easy it's so easy for me to do that that i felt like what would be the point if i'm not enjoying it i'm not getting paid enough money to make it worthwhile right so um I don't want to be the guy who's, like, my favorite metaphor I teach students, you know, if you're writing a review, is basically you just use a food metaphor. (laughs) You know, like, hmm, this was a tasty novel, very uh, fluffy and delicious, right? I like the way it was uh, baked and (laughs) you just continue this extended metaphor. it's, It's fun. But the thing is, is, you know, you see two of those back to back and you say, oh, fuck, what a hack.
2: I, <laughs> and he's not even being paid. He's, no, and he's, he's not paid. even being paid.
0: <laughs> in fact, I got like, a I got a oh it was so depressing, an email that that said what do you need or how much do you need to be paid basically to write a review? Oh yes, I this. saw that. And I
1: was like, oh really? Oh,
0: because that I feel bad for these folks because they want they want to make a living, right? They need the reviews to get into the systems that they get prominently displayed in Audible. Yeah, and uh, of course there are people willing to do that. You know, there's always been people willing to pay you to put shit on your blog, but that was not f- directly from the authors. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is—I mean, they people want to be read, right? It is. Oh, but the to me, I'm like, uh, like I could see if I was in a really terrible—I'm in a terrible financial situation. I just managed to not ever feel it, right? Because I'm careful. But uh, <laughs> but uh, if if you're in a if you're in a desperate financial situation, this is I mean this is actually how you ruin a good blog, right? Is by t- trying to make it commercial, um, to the extent of not caring about its legacy and not caring about whether the audience lasts more than five minutes, right? Um, that's a good way to wreck it. Is just to they do this to businesses all the time. They say let's dump. All, uh, pretense of quality and start making shit because people, we can ride on our reputation, right? Yeah. This is, uh, standard business practice in many respects. You pump and dump. That's exactly what it is, right? You, you excise all the quality out of it that it has, squeeze it for all its juice and it's gone. But, um, so there is a kind of demand out there for, for, people to read your stuff and there's less of a demand for people to to read it right that is you want to be read but there aren't that many readers so you're competing for a smaller and smaller percentage and even with the rise of audiobooks and there's there are those snobs you hear about them all the time audiobooks aren't reading
3: yeah <laughs> now, i mean it was just like a couple it was like a week ago, people were saying that. Like, yeah. um, I just the eye, my, roll my eyes again and again.
0: They're the kind of people who, who they thought comes into their head, and they they never think. I wonder if anybody's ever thought this before, and then yeah. does a little research and says, "Oh Jesus Christ!" They they embarrass themselves incredibly bad by saying <laughs> stupid things. Like, just think for a minute. Did you ever consider that blind people are not able to read with their eyes? Now, I'm not saying that reading with their uh, ears is the exact same as reading with your eyes, because it ain't. It's not the exact same, but it's still reading. And how do we know this? Because they read with their fucking fingers, you asswipe. You stupid
4: idiot.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> are you talking about reading it? reading has to be with your eyes? You never even thought about that, did you?
4: you? You you read with your brain, so I always exactly. say every single word Thank of the book. You. Has, has gone through my brain. So of if that's course. not reading, I don't know what is.
0: Look, I, I don't read the same on the, sometimes I'll be reading a page and I, I've gone through three pages and I haven't seen a single word, you know, it, it's because it wasn't grabbing me. And the same thing happens with an audiobook. Sometimes you're reading it and a minute goes by and you're like, what, what happened? Cause you're busy thinking your own thoughts. That can yeah. happen with your eyes and it can happen with your ears. There are differences between them, but the demand for people to read your stuff so that you feel like you're being heard or you want to be a real writer, which I think a lot of it is, right? People who read books want to be, want to be one of those guys. It's a lifestyle, not just a, it's yeah. not, it's not just a, uh, you know, cause they've, there is no elite better than having your book on the bookshelf behind you so that you can point to it and say, I didn't just buy all those books, uh, uh, f- by the foot, but I wrote this one and that one and that one and that one. Right. And then people go, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd go,
1: wow.
0: <laughs> um, and w- we, we kind of like want to be like that, but I, I, I think that there's still value in reading an old book like this that, that, uh, you know, he didn't even bother to read copyright. Right it's yeah he didn't bother to write a sequel to he didn't bother Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. even though it was designed to be consumable it has some sort of um i think timeless value Uh, paul were you engaging with somebody um on twitter i think i saw this late last night maybe it was about uh i think maybe it was you basically it was um somebody saying you shouldn't you uh there are these people who only read from the golden era
3: i oh I, I didn't engage with that person but yes i saw that conversation it was uh jason sanford well he was just talking like if he didn't say that you shouldn't only engage with the goal. It's like it's not that's exactly. all you're gauging. Yes. Then that you then you have a very limited. And then he made a list and
0: included Ted Chang and stuff, right?
3: It's like all modern stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, but only one I recognize with Ted Chang. <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, my thinking is that he's made a category error. This isn't. This isn't. Uh, and it probably is a category error for all of storytelling. I think. And I think everybody makes this mistake because it's very hard to see. I didn't see it when I was a kid. And I've grown up now. I'm much more mature and smart. <laughs> Basically, it is this. You can't understand the present storytelling without understanding the earlier storytelling. You can't so- understand uh, this book as well as I can. Because I've read A Princess of Mars. And I don't think I yeah. had read A Princess of Mars. I'm pretty sure I hadn't read A Princess of Mars when the time I read this the first time. So I'm not talking about Edgar Rice Burroughs very much,
3: right? Well, that's the whole idea of a genre conversation. But what that's right. What I think right. he was saying, I mean, I can't read into Jason's head or, or or really read a sweep. What I think he was saying is the people who say like, oh, the only science fiction is that stuff. Those kind of people are... I, are, are talking yeah, about, it's probably a or, straw or, or man, though.
0: Is there anyone uh, who's like? I mean, there are there um, are some yeah, people um, who are super old or, 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 who don't read modern or, or,
3: stuff. Or, 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 well, yeah. Well, he is talking. He is because I think he's talking about a certain couple of science fiction authors who have been, yeah, saying bad things lately. And I think he's talking, or or people who think that the only science fiction that's worthwhile is science fiction exactly in that mode, which goes into the whole puppies. And the neo pulp. It's like like that's the only science fiction that matters is science fiction that's based on that stuff. And I think he's was poking at them, and people have uh, not quite read what he was saying and or. Are- have taken it in different directions because he's got a lot of pushback from a number of number of places. But I, I think it's a strong straw
0: man. I mean,
3: uh, uh, is it, that... it, it, it is some some of a strong man. But Jason Jason does like to put things out there, and I think he could have worded that better. He's he's like, <laughs> well, basically if he's saying, "Well, not for
0: attention, though, right?
3: Cause, well, not for uh, attention. But if he wants to make cogent argument, like if you're saying to... the only worthwhile SF is 40s and 50s style stuff, then you're then you're 50 years out of date with what is actually be the great stuff actually we've written today. Like you said, Ted Chiang, you didn't recognize the other authors, but I recognized all those authors and I read yeah, most you, of the authors. Of
0: modern stuff
3: but I'm... science fiction is a lot wider and more diverse than, and much more interesting than just the pulp of the forties and fifties or, or it's yeah. derivations thereof.
0: I, I think one that of the reasons so I'm kind of whack um, in sort of pointed backwards is because I've become obsessed with the idea of the public domain, as being essentially I, 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 much more valuable than anything else.
3: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm the, yeah, but, but even, even, even you, Jesse, who reads mostly old SF, you read, T, you read T. Chiang. So it's like,
0: yeah. And I've read, I read uh, a few modern, uh, there are a few modern books, right? I mean, and I mean,
3: I, yeah, I mean, the first, the first you dream book, about Neil Gaiman. I mean, yeah. yeah the first help yeah. you drove, dra- dragged me on here was a 1980s novel. So yeah, oh, it's no, not like no.
0: A- but I've read I've read several books that are done this century. But <laughs> I've read several books no, from this century. No, <laughs> I, I mean science fiction books. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but that's kind of that's. But the thing is, is there's also you know there are so many books published in 1920 that I haven't read too. Right. But right. If, you, if you look at. Uh, the number of books I've read in 2020 and compared to the number of books I've read in 1920, um, I've probably read more 1920 books. On the other hand, there, well, 2020 is not here yet. (laughs) Uh, There's going to be, say, 500 books published in 2020, right?
3: But I I have an arc of a 2020 book I can see. From me, right here. I haven't read it yet, but it's there. They're but they're coming. We, but you're but you're not. We
0: we won't but, know what's going to be good from 2020 until at least 2025, is my thinking.
3: At least 2030. Yeah, we don't even know what. Yeah, we don't know right. what's good now. We don't know what's going to stand. That's right. And so time. your job,
0: but, I see it, is sort of to help future Jessies um, figure out what to read from 2020 and 2030. Oh uh, no, in 20. One
3: thirty. Twenty, thirty people <laughs> can look back and say, "That's oh, right." Okay, maybe this novel. That's actually, right,
0: and we thank you for your service, but in, I don't want to. It sucks to yes. be you, is what I'm saying, because you don't, you know, like the fact that uh I get to read Herman Melville's Moby Dick and say, "Oh my God, I'm glad I got a chance to read this," because if I went to my death without having read it, I would have been much worse for it, even though. You know makes no difference right. to me, I'm dead, but it's like, <laughs> d- damn, that's a really good book. And if you haven't read it, you're kind of, you kind of, your life sucks, man, because you had a <laughs> chance. It's
3: it's it's life sucks. There is a gap in your in your reading au which could and should be, but filled. it could have been it's-
0: better, right? It could have been so much better.
3: But but to say that okay the only good novels are from the 40s and 50s or novels yeah. like that. But see, I think that's
0: yes. I think that's a straw man. There's there a there's a listener oh. who I'm thinking of right now. I'm even going to say his name. His name's Mike Nowak. Um, he, he emails me. Hi Mike. Hi Mike. Hi Mike. Uh, Mike.
2: He's
0: uh he's he emails me all the time about uh, episodes and says how much he enjoys the podcasts. Um and uh I think he's reading. Some modern stuff. Whenever I mention, you know, I get excited about Ted Chang and we do a show on it. Um, he gets into it, and that's uh, the thing is, is he he is a guy who says he likes the classics. You know, he likes the golden age stuff, and um,
3: I, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not disputing that.
0: But or me, like we no, but we've got that. You know, like uh, there's a whole period in uh, the new wave, right? We just talked about last week. Um
2: oh like i have a so here's the thing this novel so like the the new wave is like um so philip jose farmer is interesting to me because i feel like he's like one guy who like sort of bridges like like he's got a pulp writing style Mm -hmm. but he's got a new wave sensibility to him um and like even this story i mean it's about an anti-john carter right yes he doesn't like he doesn't come to this planet and conquer it. He comes to this planet and becomes a slave. Like, That's right. <laughs> and he's, like he's, a he's, he's playing husband. against the tropes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, like Farmer never gets out of like the kind of like uh, pulpy writing style that like sometimes is kind of jagged, honestly. Uh, but he's always like, uh, I don't know. He's always like subverting something. Uh, he thought of himself as a trickster.
0: Yep. I think, I think, I think he, he, he did, he subverted so many times in here and, and then he has his own story too. So I kept thinking of analogies. So one of the, one of the stories I thought of when thinking about how this story works is, um, the Poe's only novel. Um. Uh, it's, a call, it's got a huge long title. Um, uh,
2: the Arthur Gordon Pym. Yes, the ma- narrative yeah,
0: the- of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket being blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on and on.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, have you read that? Yeah. It's a cool book, right?
2: Yeah, it's a very cool book.
0: It's weird because it's, weird it's not the same kind of style of writing as the rest of Poe. Because it's, it's, it's big. It's broad. Um, and yet it, he has that sort of trickster element. Um, where it's like, I think he just ate the dog. <laughs> what happened to that yeah. dog? Um, yeah, yeah. and like the ending, it's like people, I think some people, uh, think it's, uh, he didn't finish it. And I don't think that that's the case. I think no. that he did it on purpose. <laughs> um, there was a, a very similar experience I had with, a um, in university. I, uh, we studied the Aeneid, um, which is Virgil's, final epic you know and it's basically it's a retelling of the odyssey oh i didn't even think about that that's why it came to mind i guess it's a retelling of the odyssey um but from aeneas's point of view and aeneas is one of the sons of um the king of troy and he takes his father upon his back and he takes his people and he moves them not just you know his wife and kids but the the all the trojans who survived the trojan war and they go on a search for a new home. Um, and this is the story that the Romans told themselves about their, their origins is that they were really the Trojans, right? And then they go all the way to Italy. And they meet this lady Dido and he has uh, sort of a
3: Dido is in Carthage style.
0: Yes, uh, it's on the way though, right? And it's right, uh, right, a, I a kind I, I of. I
3: just want, I just want listeners screaming. Dido is not in Italy.
0: No, but it's on the way, and and he has a trap sort of situation in the same way that he does. Our, our Alan Green has at the beginning of this book. He's 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 in love with her, but he also wants to leave, and he's got these responsibilities. And and then you get to the final, um, stanzas of this epic poem, and the last scene is um. Basically, there was a truce between the, the, not the Etruscans, the, whoever they, it's like the Etruscans or the Latins there, right? Um, and there's a truce and then that truce is broken and it didn't have to be broken, but it was. And so there's a fight. And, uh, the very last scene, I believe, is, uh, Aeneas shoving his sword through the collarbone down into the chest cavity of the enemy's king's son or something like that. And basically saying, yeah, we're sa Oh, the savage, uh, sort of nature, the brutal, um, master mentality of, of the Romans, not the slave mentality of the Christians, but the master mentality of the Romans is from this. Now that's my interpretation, but the, the prof who's teaching it to me, um, he says, no, Jesse, the, this stanza is not completed. He end, like, it, the meter's not right. It doesn't have the same as the previous one. And he's probably drawing on some, some notation from somebody else, right? That saying, well, this is Virgil's last epic. He died in the process of writing it and it's unfinished. And I'm like, no, no, it's that, <laughs> that brutal ending with that cut off line is, <laughs> Is how it's supposed to end, and and it's because it's so it's so horrible, right? That that this this treaty that they could have had a peaceful coexistence with these people, and now they have and they enslave them, and then you get that with the Sabine women and all sorts of Roman history, right? So it's to me that core that this this is the core epic of the Romans, and the fact that the last line is supposed to be unfinished. Um, I think is essential to understanding the Romans, and he said, "No, no, it's not, It's just it, it never
4: got completed." I'm like, "No, no, you don't understand." <laughs> right? yeah, so there's, I, I, I said, you your, be- your 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 Girard um, uh, side uh, that it's, the Romans are the perfect example of uh, mimetic desire and yeah. mimetic violence.
0: Yes, and that yeah, and I- that idea that whole that's why that whole idea of the master mentality, stra- slave mentality. I think is so resonant is that we can't we turn ver, vice we turn their their vice into our virtue and we turn their virtue into our vice and then of course it all gets inverted so all these christian nations are have no problems having standing armies and dropping bombs on on people right eventually yeah. but the the whole um you know Jesus as a, a uh, prince of peace uh, goes out the window eventually, but but
3: I bring not peace but the sword.
0: Indeed, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they grasp onto the the th- turning over the tables and f- sort of forget about the uh, um, I'm I'm all about the peace hippie stuff, <laughs> you know, and uh, and the kingdom of heaven and and you know how how to be good and and not be bad by being a jerk, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Um, I think that all, I think that all works because of the previous story, right? So that that connection to, if you want to understand this book, I think it's it you'd be well advised to have read *A Princess of Mars*. Yeah, yeah,
2: like, <laughs> yes. um, I, I well, that, uh, and they he even gives him like superpowers on this planet, like that John Carter has, like yeah, the, 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 he, he he
3: he, the healing ability. I mean, it's kind of like I mean, be, I mean, it's, uh, because I because I was reading the first lines of John Carter recently because, because that stuff he published yesterday, I was mm-hmm. reading it like, and it gets mentioned just casually in the first paragraph that John Carter doesn't know how old he is. Huh. It's just a throwaway thing that never comes up again in the whole series. Like, Oh, I don't know how old I am. I, I always look 30 years old. It's like it's like soup, super, super powerful. Yeah, that from sounds like Euros. another
0: Philip Jose farmer. Doesn't it? I always um, think yeah.
3: it, 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 it's. it's yeah, it, it sounds like his whole world, world Newton sort of universe mm-hmm. of stuff where people got infected by that meteorite and so hard superpowers.
2: Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the you know, the world Newton theory of of John Carter, uh, like so the the uh, so basically uh, the first parts of A Princess of Mars are like pretty lifted off this other novel called Fra the Phoenician. Hmm. About an immortal Phoenician. And Fra the Phoenician starts out. Um, uh, hey, I don't know how old I am. I've been around forever. Uh, and uh, of course, the old Newton theory is that Fra the Phoenician was, in fact, John Carter. and He just had forgotten that he had been huh. a Phoenician warrior.
3: <laughs> I had not heard that theory. Huh. Interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think the uh, like a princess of Mars, like like conceptually, it's lifted off. Uh, a book called Gulliver of Mars, or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: Mm-hmm. And I then, like, a book. lot
2: of the actual narrative is lifted off a novel called Fra the Phoenician.
0: But he did it better. See, that's the <sighs> yeah, thing. Is those yeah. books are not. Yeah, yeah, he, I mean, he explicitly says, I can write Drek, right? As well as these other guys. In fact, my Drek is better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he really distilled it. There's somebody, I tweeted a picture yesterday, good afternoon, uh, with. Um, uh, John Carter fighting a room full of Tharks as Dejah Thoris is on the floor looking up at him. Right. Um, (laughs) and, uh, that is much more iconic than anything that happened in Gulliver. And I'm pretty sure I, I, I'm confident in this, even though Gulliver of Mars, even though I haven't read it because I had heard about John Carter of Mars, um, well, well, well before I read it. And Gulliver of Mars sort of came up, but it was never, there isn't this cult sort of.
2: It's a footnote. Right? Okay.
0: It is a footnote. And I, I keep, uh, every once in a while, there's a book like um, Mockingbird by Walter Tevis or <laughs> um, that that other one. You didn't like, Mysa at least at first. But I think you'll, maybe. maybe Which I'm one? Um, City of Endless Night. Oh. Uh, I think that's a 1920 book. Um, I think you enjoyed the discussion of it, even if you didn't like the uh, the way it started.
1: You know what? I've blocked it. I, I, blocked I, I it like out. Mockingbird plenty. Mockingbird,
0: it's also a nice book, uh, but it's also a thoughtful book, whereas I think the other one is a, a thoughtful book and less What nice. happens
1: in it? Remind me. Cause City
0: of it, Endless Night? Yeah. Uh, that's the one where there's a dude who, uh, fighting basically the Nazis in 1920, um, except it's not 1920. It's like 2050 or something like that. Or maybe 25.
1: Oh yeah. No, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. There
0: are, there are elements of it that are like, Oh, this is horrible. Um, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. it soon becomes, uh, a sort of a, ah, people can listen to that podcast. They already have. In fact, at the point, <laughs> this point, the show comes out, but, uh, I think there there's something cool about what he's farmer's done with this book it's it's it is a bunch of other stuff right
1: i i haven't read but what, what was the book we were supposed to have read first
0: a princess of mars
1: princess of mars yeah so i'm, did I'm you only see see john appreciating carter? this book half then
0: did you see the movie john carter the no oh, no oh, i'm I'm, that, I'm,
1: huh? I'm marooned on on a on a gravitational island and i don't know where i am apparently
0: <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to uh, see that. Apparently, it's not on Netflix, and it's not uh, maybe it'll be on Disney Plus one day.
3: It, it, it's like on Netflix or Amazon Prime, John Carter. Is it? look like like, like I it? said earlier, yeah. Because I was flipping through, it was like, "Oh, there's John Carter."
0: Yeah. So oh, okay,
1: I should look it up. I, and and it's a good
0: adaptation. Of, it's not. It's not perfect, listening. but um, it's 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 a lot like this book, except the hero is a hero rather than sort of a uh slave guy who we like right mm-hmm. he's a traditional hero and uh there's a, sort of an, an analogy for um i don't know the plains indians and how the relationship the americans have with them and okay. um and then there's this ancient culture on mars that basically uh everybody's everybody ah. ship shiparelli is uh, or it's not shiparelli who's the guy who came up with um the theory of the canals
3: that is Schiparelli. Is it Schiparelli?
0: Okay. You know, there's this ancient dying civilization. Um, well, this is that realized, that book, A Princess of Maris.
1: Oh, so, so my sequel mm-hmm. that I'm looking for, all these things, the freighter had acted unaccountably blown up. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> you know, like all these things that there are unanswered
0: un- questions, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, maybe Maybe some of it is from what I haven't read.
0: Well, that's possible. I, I don't recognize that one. I think I th- what's so strange like, I mean, about you this? say
1: he's unaccountably thirty years old all the time, mm. like that kind of mm-hmm. thing?
0: There, there, there's That's certainly a possibility. But uh, like the fact that it starts in in. I want to say men's rehab, but that's not the right. In media res, that's right. In
3: media res.
0: <laughs> right. So it starts in the middle of the story rather you know, mm-hmm. than he's on the spaceship and then it explodes. He's been there for two years when the story starts. No, and
1: that's interesting, though. He's mm-hmm. been there two years. The other two were marooned around the same time.
0: And that's why... You, two years. Yeah. Like, there's
1: lots of stuff.
0: Yeah. There's a good potential that, that it, this could have been expanded out because... If it is the Odyssey, the Odyssey is a series of books, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, it's mm-hmm. six books and that middle part of that story, uh, is where we start. And then we, we, f- we follow him along a little bit and then we flash back and then we, uh, flash f- not forward, but we come back to where we were and then we get to the end eventually. But, um, it- it's funny because he took his, um, his wife, Penelope, with him. <laughs> Then was being cuckolding a king, uh, a duke, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Misa. If you haven't read The Odyssey, that's where you really need
3: to start, because
1: uh, I, I, I did a precy of The Odyssey. Okay, prior to good.
3: This. Good. And if you read the Odyssey, then you have to read the Iliad before that, so you can understand right. why Odysseus is going back and home. And don't
0: forget to read the the Aeneid.
1: <laughs> I need a time machine. I need a time machine.
0: A time machine to get you more time to read all these books. It's crazy, and, right? and so
1: that I can read them in the past and come back and and read this one. That's
0: uh, the the we we do have a sort of a responsibility as readers to pick wisely. I think so that we <laughs> you know. It's like, I didn't really want to read Moby Dick. I felt I should, right? I
1: did too, but I was so, 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 so happy. Oh, it's so good,
0: right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's Shakespeare. Jesus. It's, it's, um, it's Shakespeare with a sense of humor, um, way out in the open. Um, and then it gets all dark and it's becomes, um, I, I was making a joke about, uh, the Star Trek two that they did a reimagined or modern trailer of it and i said yeah look at this book this um this this great movie that's this new movie that's coming out it's got it's got moby dick it's got uh shakespeare it's got um uh what is some of the other oh uh, uh, this uh, famous book uh, called Genesis by a guy named God. <laughs> it's got all these things. Oh, but it doesn't have enough lens flare. I'm not going to watch it
3: because <laughs> they fucking remade it, right? Dick With lens flare, oh god, there's a, but there, there, my they remade
0: book. Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan, right?
3: I I know. Why was a terrible, terrible, terrible?
2: Why m- did they do
0: this? Because they needed more lens flare.
3: That's why. It yeah, it diminishes the original by existing. I, that, uh, that's, I, that's why I that's such on a on great movie, I, right? Great. The <laughs> reason
0: Star Trek 2 is so good is it, it has not just a callback to the original episode of the show. It's rich. And then it has that great ending where, um, Spock kills him, uh, kills himself to save everybody, right? It's perfect. Mm. And, it, you know, I don't mind Star Trek 3 and I think Star Trek 4 is, it's pretty terrific too. <laughs> Not so
3: high. Uh, um, five. Uh, b- five. I cut class to go to, and I regret that ever since.
0: Yeah, okay, it was probably a mistake.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was a but mistake. You didn't know at the time. I didn't know at the time. No. I think
0: <laughs> uh, isn't six okay? I can't remember six. So,
3: yeah. Six is the undiscovered so, it, country. That's yeah, the one with all the like, Shakespeare. Another floating. Shakespeare,
0: right? Yeah. You haven't read uh, Macbeth and. Until you've read it in the original Klingon, is that one? <laughs>
3: That's good. <laughs> yeah. Basically. No, no. It, it, no, it's Hamlet. Is it original. Hamlet?
2: Okay. Yes. You know, a uh, you know, farmer wrote a sequel to Moby Dick. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Wind Whales of Ishmael. It's like <laughs> it's on my to read list. But uh, yeah, like Ishmael is reincarnated a thousand years later, wow. and he like it's a world where like the whales fly in the sky, so mm. they chase the whales. In did, sky did you boats. read it? No, it's, it's on my, uh, you know, it's on my shelf. Uh, <laughs> There's another one
0: I want to read by him. I have a copy of the paper book somewhere it's called The Other Log of Phileas Fogg.
2: Oh, that one's good. <gasps> I read that one, yeah. That's good it's one. as funny as uh, Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah, like,
0: uh, around the, it's a sequel to, or a sequel or, I don't know. It's it, a
2: retelling. Retelling from of, a, yeah. Telling from a different perspective. Like, here's what actually happened um, while you weren't paying attention. Right, right. Interstitial mm. novel,
3: yeah. I like that.
0: I uh, yeah. Farmers, uh, farmers needs more audiobooks. I think. I think that's what we need to do. And I, 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 for the longest time, the really the only audiobook that was out there was River World. I think it's Two your scattered bodies go, and maybe two or three of the other books in that series. And I think that was it. But
2: uh, I haven't looked lately. Is there?
3: Yeah, no. I'm curious because I'm going to go to Audible.
2: The the Darkness of the Sun is, uh, I think one of his longer books. Um, and it's like, it's pretty interesting. It has the, it has a a similar feeling to this novel. Uh, it's a, I guess it's technically like a dying earth novel, Mm. but it's like a dying earth novel. Like you never imagined. Um, it's like set, uh, I think 15 million years in the future. And, uh, the people are going around the earth having this like strange adventure that doesn't like it doesn't seem to have uh jesse i think you said that river world doesn't have a plot yeah it kind of has like he didn't know what he was doing he had
0: a great premise and then said "Uh uh-huh let's see where this goes and it turns out it goes nowhere
2: yeah 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 yeah, the uh the the houseboat on the river sticks to nowhere um
0: so yeah dark of the sun is 14 14 hours. hours yeah
3: it's a bit. It's a bit long. There's two sat, copies so,
0: of Rastignac the Devil. That must be a public domain sh- short item. story. Yeah. yeah.
3: Sadly, sadly, World of Tears is not in audio, which it makes me sad because I would like to have an excuse to reread that, and audio would be perfect. And none. Of, it's not on audio. That makes me sad.
2: Mm. Hmm. We should. We should write a letter to his estate and
3: yeah like, uh, yeah yeah get world. Of, I mean get Robert Gardner to do World of Tears. Like I mean. That's just like box office. Mm. At least I think it's box office.
0: Uh I I'd be up for another one. I'm looking at uh Dark Dark as the Sun. I'm going to
3: Yes,
4: that sounds good.
0: Cool. Yeah, I you? love the cover. There's a uh Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's a centaur
3: made on a of,
2: plants.
0: um Yeah. Yeah, pushing off for a sluish solution uh,
2: like it's like a book about like a centaur made of plants uh, a, a young man a young woman a dog and a cat yep and they're just going across this post-apocalyptic like many times over post-apocalyptic landscape and the centaur man kind of knows the history so it's it's worth uh it's worth checking out I'm I'm an advocate for that book.
0: first review says quirky and fun but forgettable <laughs> Mm-hmm. I I like quirky and fun. Um And honestly, I forget almost every I book as soon one as one I finish listening to
1: it. City of Endless Night.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that one stuck with me because I, I just oh, keep no, be, I keep getting blown away by the fact that it's so early. And it was uh, I was I was asking Marissa about it. I was like, was this in that uh, a biography of 1984 that we listened to? Because it was all about utopias and dystopias that yeah. preceded. It was, apparently it's not. I asked the author too, and he said, no, it wasn't. And I'm like, damn, if a book this important and interesting, I found it incredibly fascinating. Um, and also a good story too, although I was a bit worried about it at the beginning. Um, if it was that uh, powerful and interesting, and I'd never heard of it until like this year, that's weird. Cause I used to spend all my time basically, and I still do most of my time researching. What I should read rather than actually reading, right? Yes. Yes.
2: That is what yeah. the hobby is.
0: <laughs> I mean, otherwise, you end up just reading a lot of Drek. And there is, you know, if you pick up any random book, it's uh, the chances of it being good are incredibly low.
2: And like connecting with what you want at that time. Yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, so this is one of the things I always teach my students. Um, yesterday I'm saying he's reading, um, uh, I, I, give him homework his homework is uh, reading
4: why the last
0: man uh oh wow by brian k vaughn um i don't remember the artist but uh i, I was telling him uh, you've been you're, this is the fourth volume you're on um what's it and i cover up the cover and i said what's the name of the author <laughs> he has no idea right because at a certain age you never even think about that you don't know, like go into the movie theater and say, "I wonder who directed this movie." Yeah,
4: exactly. And you don't that's say, "Who
0: is this Hitchcock guy?" Because you, know, <laughs> you don't even know who Hitchcock is, right? Um, but as soon as you, you know, I tell you there's a new Hitchcock movie out, you're like Hitchcock. I know exactly what that is because you get the idea, right? Um, when when you're a kid, it, you just look at what's on the cover and maybe the, the the art and the title, and you say that's the genre I like, right? I'm, you go through those um, Choose Your Own Adventures books if you remember those. Yeah, and the yeah. covers would be like you, there'd be ten of them, and one of them is like you are a you are a shark. <laughs> it's like oh, I've never been a shark before.
3: <laughs> I, I I remember that Choose Your Own Adventure book.
0: <laughs> right, and then there's ones where you know they're wizards or something, and then there's another one where it's a time travel, and there's all sorts of different kinds of genre, and you get to pick your genre but you have no idea who wrote the actual book because that doesn't enter into your mind. And then as you get more sophisticated, you start saying, I like this book. Why did I like this book so much? And I didn't like this one with a very similar cover. And you look at the two of them side by side. And you see one of them has an author name and the other one has an author name. And then you start saying, maybe this has something to do with it. <laughs> and then you try and find that element on the next cover of the next book. Instead of looking only at the picture, you're also looking at the name. And I think that that process can be – my theory is that I can help the students by saying, you're going to like this book, and the reason you're going to like it is because it was written by the guy who wrote the book you liked before. And so I, was, I convinced uh, my student to start reading uh, Watchmen um, because I was telling him uh, all the things that Alan Moore wrote that are now movies, right? Or in this case it's HBO show, which I watched the first episode of and I think is it could be very good by the way.
4: Oh yes, it was it was pretty good. Oh did you watch it? Yes.
0: Yeah, I it's it's not it's not the book, but it looks like it has sort of a respect for it. Um and they it looks like they've done a lot of work, uh in building up ideas and it, it, it also, the other thing I liked about it, Terrence, I don't know if you noticed this is even though it doesn't have a reverence in the same way that the movie adaptation did, it has a, a for, you know, recreating the exact scene, which is, you know, something kind of weird anyways. Um,
2: uh, yeah. I already read the book. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like why, know? why are you doing this?
0: Cause it's beautiful. That's why. Okay. That's cool. I mean, you really realize exactly what, was there? You got the costumes exactly right. You've got the the framing and the the pull away and all the things exactly right. What I noticed is they they're doing the symmetry thing. In the first episode, there's all these circles that show up, and they're not the happy face of the comedian, right? The button, but there's something else. Like there's this light uh, over a table, and then there's this uh, the headlights of the of a of a truck at the beginning are paralleled by a the headlights of the whatever wonder wonder flying machine that Night Owl has is called probably the Owlmobile or whatever, <laughs> um, and that that's exactly parallel and it's supposed to be the same place. So if the if you just do symmetry like that, that's like you got a one step up. And the fact that they've got a story um, that is based on something in reality, I think they whoever's running it has some clue as to what Alan Moore's process was which is read the fuck out of everything in the 19th century and then interweave it all together in your own sort of storytelling right mm-hmm. why v v for vendetta works so well is cuz he isn't got one thing that he's doing he's doing so much it's 1984 and it's uh it's um uh guy fox and it's about um what superheroes would really be like and how evil fucking governments are, right? And then how, how does an individual become, um, aware of their responsibilities and not just survival? And it's like, wow, that's a lot of work to do. And he does all that and he makes it beautiful with beautiful vocab and, ah. Oh. So on. I don't
2: know. I think Alan Moore is a is a lesser Philip Jose Farmer imitator. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: I think Alan Moore has some problems, and mostly. Uh, no, I
2: mean, that was a joke, also, but uh... no,
0: uh, his problems are with his his prose, right? I, I don't want to read his thousand page novel. I don't no, have no. that much time, and uh, honestly, no, I, don't. <laughs> I I didn't read. Uh, I didn't read all the text stuff that he shoves into the back of his comics because it's just too much. I uh, even in it's problems, sometimes it's good it's and sometimes it's bad. it is it yeah. is hard work, and I'm I'm a lazy bastard who wants to. And I'm does
4: he does he deserve all that hard work? So I don't know. He put the work. I forced myself to read the text, but uh,
2: well, now you know the origin of Tar Baby in the like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen universe. So you know that's great. I haven't um, finished.
0: I haven't finished all of uh, League. I've still got a few of those left. I think. I think he's done, I think he says he's done with comics. Um, yeah, that's fine. He said that. We'll see, we'll see. I I think that that's his best medium, although I really haven't seen
2: it. <laughs> I haven't read anything outside of that medium, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, tune in next week for our, uh, the coverage of Jerusalem. Uh, <laughs> Dude, uh, it's 60 hours. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, this was six. That's ten times the length. I'd have to take, like, six weeks off <laughs> or ten weeks off to do a show like that. Yeah. I mean, would yeah. it be worth it? I uh, I don't know. I, I no. want somebody to tell me, yes, Jesse, and here's exactly why.
3: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hasn't somebody already yes. listened to it all? Yes. Wasn't it? Uh... Evan. 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 Evan listened to it
0: twice. Or uh, he, he said he was going in for another pass. Um, and the thing is, is.
3: I thought it was Jim that listened to it. Mr. Jim Moon?
0: No, I don't think so. He's he's busy getting married.
3: <laughs> well, well, yeah, you can
0: choose
2: to get married, or you can choose to read that book. That, that's
3: that's a very strange binary. Yeah,
2: well, yeah. Do you want uh, do you want love in your life? Do you want <laughs> Alan Moore in your life? Uh, um, I you know I I can't speak for anybody else. Uh, the uh, but I mean like like there is the like Alan Moore farmer connection, and that they're both just like you know uh they're minors, um, yo yeah yeah that's that's exactly it they're minors, um and uh i mean there is this like like very frustrating interview with alan moore where he criticizes the philip jose farmer for not going far enough i I agree i agree and he says it as like a backhanded compliment but he's like we can't really criticize him for not going far enough he didn't go far like it's like uh, i I don't know what i I uh, don't know man um what is that uh, he has Yeah. And like another thing that's uh, just one last thing about the Green Odyssey, another Mm -hmm. piece that like uh, you can like mine from this one or that has an antecedent in uh, literature. Of course, uh, one of Phil's favorite authors was uh, Mark Twain. And so uh, Mm -hmm. there's the scene at the end of the book where uh, Amra like, she's, like, superstitious, right? He's always got his, like, critique of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's superstitious. She actually believes that Alan is a demon. And she's like, I love you anyway. And it mirrors the scene in Huck Finn where Huck Finn's like, wow, if I help Jim get away, I'll go to hell. But I better just do it anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, in, in fact, it's a little bit like uh, Huck Finn now that I think about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's on the nose. Too. I, I that's Riverworld I, I that more, though, too. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah, um yeah, yeah I,
0: I I don't think there are people, you know, there's still people obsessed with Conan Doyle. I think that 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 has reduced much. Um at least from my brief understanding of reality, I think that the the height of Conan Doyle mania uh sort of a m- modern within my lifetime was probably in the late 70s. Um, and then, you know, it, there are still people who are into it, but I don't think anybody is into Mark Twain the way they were into Doyle at least in my lifetime. And yet Twain is, he's probably better than everybody (laughs) at making a really fun and entertaining book. I mean, he's so good and I've, I've, I don't think I've read anything by him that wasn't really, 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 really good. And Philip Jose Farmer, um, I, I think that criticism is right. He doesn't go far enough. Um, it, it's almost like if you took Alan Moore and Philip K. Dick and mashed them together. Because hmm. because Alan Moore, That's uh, Philip K. Dick doesn't do a lot of research, right? It's mostly um, he liked A.E. Van Vogt, and he... He, um, he he read uh, the Odyssey, <laughs> and then he went <laughs> off and wrote about his own life. Right? That's Fair about <laughs> it. That's about it. Right? Um, uh, oh, and I guess World War Two. He he read. A, you know, he grew up in it, and he read about it, and that and that's about it. Um, and every once in a while, he'd get into a, a new religion, and like this is ridiculous. I I dig it. I'm going to write about it. Um, but <laughs> Alan Moore is. I think he mostly is research, right? <laughs> yes. And and then he also has this amazing mind, which allows you to say, "What is really important here, right? What if 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 you wanted? To, oh, so I oh I said to my student, I said, um, oh, you want? To, I can't do his accent. What what is his accent? It's Northumbria or something. I don't know. No, no,
3: it, it, not Northumbria.
0: He's got he's got a town he's from. <laughs> it's one of those central towns in London. Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. I think it's Newcastle. No, it's not Newcastle. Shit. Anyways, he's got this accent and he says, Look. <laughs> and then uh, if you want me to write superheroes, I'll have to do it my way. <laughs> and then he he says, What are superheroes really? Right? And he goes back and he. He thinks about it. He thinks about Superman. He thinks about Batman. He thinks about Zorro. And he thinks about all of the roots of these characters, right? And that's, if you go back far enough, it becomes, it becomes the, uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And if you go a little further, further into time, into time, like 1910s and 1920s, it becomes, um, Watchmen. And then he, he says, Look at the real politic. How are politicians actually do running things? And now let's imagine that there is this superpower, uh, available, right? And, and this interest in superheroes available. What would the government actually do? It's certainly not what Marvel does, right? That's fake. It's bullshit, right? We know, we all know it's bullshit. It's kind of fantasy, fantasy world. We love it, but it's a fantasy world and uh dc doesn't really involve the federal government at all as far as i can tell <laughs> there, there isn't like uh anybody saying well, we got to worry about these su- supervillains because basically batman is the government right there's no there's no federal government in metropolis will you would know better
2: than me <laughs> right yeah i mean there's a lot of different like they've tried to do, like over the past like 10 years they've like tried to be more like Marvel and had like the government running the justice league. And I just, I don't think it works. No, so, no. It, anyway. it, it's
0: fundamentally not connected to it. Whereas I think yeah. the X-Men, it always was about the relationship that the, the difficult relationship between, um, between, uh, the government's relationship to what these people would be. And, the people's relationship to what these people would be, right? Government as intention with, with the X Men and the uh, mutants or, or League of Evil mutants or whatever they're called. Yeah, so yeah, the,
2: uh, yeah, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Right, like you put evil in your title. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah you, you kind of telegraph. This kind of reminds me of I only watched one episode so far of the Amazon series The Boys.
0: Yes, yes. And yeah. well, it's doing exactly the same
4: thing.
3: Yeah, Where the government's saying, well, we don't want superheroes running our national defense. Uh, it, it's like the senator actually says the obvious, intelligent thing. Like, that's stupid. It's like, wow. It's a, a character a, that doesn't money have the idiot ball. Yeah, it's like, well, you, well yeah, but the corporation that runs the superheroes wants to make money, but the senator says the obvious, it's like, no, that's a stupid idea. Don't do that. It's like, mm-hmm. huh. Character who actually has shows intelligence on television or okay. the concept.
0: Well, that, that that that's the thing. I, Ennis, does research too, but it's not it's not as obsessive as I mean, I, is there anyone more obsessive of research than Alan Moore? I don't think so.
2: No, um, these days he probably not. Yeah. And uh, I mean, far, I I would say that Farmer was like obsessive in a different way. I think he he was a,
0: he was researching the fiction, whereas Moore is re- researching the reality. Right. And, yeah. and then he also does the fiction on top of that. Right. He, he not only read, uh, Alan Quartermain, he also read, uh, about what they were actually doing in Africa right? <laughs> rather than what, 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 um, H. Ryder Haggard says they're doing. And, and then he, he says, what would the reality be of that be? And then does his, his amazing takes on it, which is, it's frankly, he he's, I mean, it's he's up there with Shakespeare, I think, in terms of depth. Um, a little bit too uh, researchy for me. I, Shakespeare has way more fart jokes.
3: <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, the joke, you know, joke about Shakespeare is he wrote fart jokes for the rich people and high poetry for the poor people. <laughs> mm. Yep, I
0: like it. Well, uh, we haven't heard enough from Terrence, so obviously this book was too deep for him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) True. The the, the vigilante was just, like, too deep a concept. Uh, Like, too many philosophical implications that um, Alan Green had had his appendix removed and replaced with a parasite that, like, gave him superpowers. I like that.
0: I like that little detail. You know, a lot of this, uh, we haven't talked about it much, um, but I have a slight feeling... Um, Paul, maybe you can back me up that this book was inspirational to um, uh, Niven for Ringworld.
2: Huh? Okay. Do you oh, well, see it? That,
3: that, that there's lots of stuff in the water here about earlier civilizations yeah. and technology and engineered planets. Mm-hmm. I could, I could, I could see the old civilization, the, right? I, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Especially in the second. Novel where second ring world novel we have a giant grassy right. at one point and and humans they can eat that so I think never heard of this like hmm I can stick that on my ring world and I will
0: yeah Mice you you were in for Maybe. that and protector yeah. too right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what what do you think am I barking up the wrong tree here or is this no
1: there could be because there's, there's this whole mythology here that's unexplored yeah about uh, civilization and seeding and all of that. That, uh, yeah, that could
0: have been it wasn't just panspermia though it was it was it was like there was a previous human civilization
1: yeah no yeah
3: yeah that, that, that's free a, whole, free that prehistory that, that, sphinx that and, spread out and, yeah, then and the went fact to barbarism that,
0: that's the fact mm-hmm. that this book doesn't have a direct sequel i think it does have spiritual sequels in <laughs> books like uh ringworld and especially ringworld engineers Mm-hmm. Uh, where he said, okay, I didn't really answer the question of who built this thing, did I? <laughs> no. And then... No,
3: yeah, I mean, if you read Ringworld, having read other names stuff, you can figure it out, but he doesn't... And, and you can figure out that the answer that he comes up with in the novel is wrong and completely wrong, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's in the sequel that he, that, that he tips his hand. I'm also thinking of the H. beam Piper mm-hmm. story Omnilingual. And mm-hmm. that universe. Oh,
2: they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start
3: on Mars. They come to Earth. They fall, and then you get all different the all different uh, Piper timelines, including Calvin of other and whatnot. I
0: mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I've ever done uh, HP and Piper book on this podcast and oh, that is do, 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 oh no do. we did little fuzzy i think maybe
3: you, I, maybe you did a little fuzzy i mean yeah. calvin I, if you want to do calvin of other one i'm there for it baby well
0: we need to get an audiobook for it is there does it such...
3: exist i don't know let's go to audible and find out uh, <laughs>
2: just, what were you gonna say will i was gonna say omnilingual definitely is uh like as a public domain recording oh yeah definitely
0: definitely um uh, there's a, I think space Viking yep. was mentioned recently and that yeah, also I, I, has
3: I, I, yeah, I listened to space Viking not too long ago. How did you find activity. it? I, I, I liked it because it was a nice pairing with what we were listening to at the time, which is also a very, uh, um, uh, piratey sort of, sort of work. So I find that as a nice, uh, compliment to, to that and the same sort of spirit, although a little more, uh. A little, a little, more dark because you know, space Vikings really go. Uh,
0: no, I just place. looked and I, I, I swear, I, I must have reviewed Little Fuzzy. Maybe I made Misa review Little Fuzzy. No, <laughs> you that made,
4: wasn't.
0: Not was not you? Okay, not me. that sounds like a book I would foist upon you. <laughs> Misa, you got to read this. In fact, here's an audiobook to review. Uh, um, oh, we have three different reviews of Little Fuzzy. <laughs> um, because. Wow. It, yeah, I'm sure it's one of those by me.
2: cult classic. Let's cult see. Cult classic.
0: Uh, it says, Casey Hampton did one. Uh, let's see. That was a, mo- a more modern version. It's, uh, Seth did one. He's a reviewer I haven't heard from in a long time. Oh,
1: you yeah, haven't heard from Seth in forever. No,
0: what happened to Seth? Uh, hmm. And here's, I guess it's got to be mine, because it's got a lot of art in it, it looks like. And there's no bottom to the post. <laughs> okay. What happened? Something went wrong with this web, web post. Oh, it is posted by me. Okay. Let's see. I said, little fuzzy is a novel cherished by a smallish but passionate group of admirers. They seem to love it for its portrayal of the fuzzies themselves. It may be a furry fandom book too, but I'm, I'm a little afraid <laughs> to research that. I have um, my health. A- Self heard of the novel or much of the author H. B. Piper until Little Fuzzy and pretty much everything else written by H. Bean Piper being posted to Project Gutenberg. My initial sense of the book was that Little Fuzzy would act act as a lens through which historical colonizations could be examined, something like what uh, Ursula K. did Ursula K. Le Guin did with the world for the word for world is forest, which we have done as a podcast. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it didn't work out that way. Piper was not trying to explore historical events as much as what we mean by the word sapience. The verdict on the fuzzies is obvious from the beginning, but curiously enough, the fuzzies are still somewhat treated like children, even by their human champions. Perhaps this was the only way Piper could characterize the right-minded human benevolence? I wish he were alive so I could ask him about this. Uh, for this infantilization of the fuzzies paralyze, uh, parallels some attitudes towards the aboriginal peoples facing colonization here on Earth. But like I said, the general focus is on, hey, listen to this, Terence, on a philosophical examination of the concept of sapience. Not colonization. After some initial trepidation, I found myself hanging on every word of this wonderful audiobook. H. Bean Piper is an amazing storyteller. His homespun folksiness allows him to make grammatically wrong choices, but none that ever misconstrues in his intended meaning. For example, he dropped into a chair and lit a cigarette. It tasted badly. And after a few puffs, he crushed it out. I think Grammar Girl would have a problem with this, noting that cigarettes don't have tongues and so can't taste well or badly. <laughs> Despite
3: this, <laughs> yeah.
0: I think Piper's Little Fuzzy is some of the most transparent, plain-spoken prose that I've ever read. And then I talk about the narrator. Um, so, maybe that'd be a good one to go start with. It's his most famous. Didn't Um, uh, John Scalzi? C- yeah, R- he wrote R- a...
3: Reboot slash sequel called Fuzzy Nation. That's correct.
0: Yeah, did you read that?
3: I did. It's not bad. I don't. I don't think you, it blew me away. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a very skullsy book in many ways.
0: I, I and, think people should do that though. Yeah, reboot old obscure books so that they get attention.
3: So, so I, I mean, I mean, it just made me think. Oh, maybe I should. And it was really weird hearing what Wheaton do the audio of that mm-hmm, one because mm-hmm. he does a he does a bunch of scaldy stuff. But you know, I mean, would I do a Little Fuzzy as an audiobook? Sure. Mm-hmm. Put me down.
0: And it's five hours fifty three minutes, almost exactly the same length as what we had today.
3: Because, sadly, Lord Calvin of other one is not in audio. Oh, really too bad. Sad. Really, really sad because I was so excited to see calvin morrison go re, uh steal the secret of gunpowder but like, yep. which is what basically the pl- in an alternate world which is if basically it was public pl-
0: domain somebody would be out there recording it right now i'm trying, trying to make some cash off of it right
3: yeah sadly, sadly and tragically it i the estate still holds the rights so yeah what can we do what can we do we, we, we can just schedule out stuff we
2: can. <laughs> <laughs> keep plugging along. Yep. Uh-huh. Keep,
3: plugging, keep plugging along.
2: We'll figure yeah. it out. All right. Uh, I
0: guess we're pretty close to done here, hey? All right.
2: All right, mm-hmm. eh?
0: This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio.
3: and flew home. Ooh, so your foot's all better. Um, no. Oh. No, no, no. As, as it turns out, um, Walking for days on end was not good for my formerly broken foot, and by, at by day seven, my foot was telling me this was a really stupid thing you've tried, and it was a factor in me. You
0: kind of picked it, the wrong the wrong country for not, uh, you know, walking up things.
3: <laughs> I I picked, the, I picked the wrong country for that. It's true, Jesse. You need
0: like to be on a green odyssey with soft grass, very yeah, smooth sailing. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But so yes, the mountain defeated me. Unfortunately,
0: oh. mm. Did you but, say hello to Ma- Mary and Ravenwood for me? Um, this joke I, is perennial.
3: The, the 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 bar was destroyed in the movie, Jesse. What?
0: Oh! So, I, I, did, did, I hope did,
3: did, you. Don't, don't you I hope you
0: got Jesus? the the necklace I asked for.
3: Um, <laughs> and if not, you burned your hands. I got, I, I got a necklace, for, some, I got a necklace <laughs> for somebody else. And as and as far as the golden child goes, I I can I can now say I have sprung a prayer wheel in Kathmandu. <laughs> I, I, actually, actually, it's polite if you pass a prayer wheel, you're supposed to spin it because this way it helps the prayers go to heaven. Yeah, so it's it's polite.
0: That's a, that's to a spin different episode. Wheel. That's uh, nine billion names of God. We get the steam powered prayer wheel spinning, and
3: that, no, 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 you you you, you mix it, you, No, no, it's not bad. It's not the prayer wheel spinning that's spinning wheel. It's, it's a computer in 9 million names of God that calculates all the names. Ah, and that's how the universe is. There's acts.
0: another story with with the uh, automated spinning prayer wheels, though. I'm
3: there there to... is, but it's not 9 million names of God. But yes, yeah, so, yeah, prayer wheels are everywhere in Nepal and Kathmandu. And you spin them clockwise, just like you go clockwise if around. you
1: spin them ba- anti-clockwise. And, and that's that's bad. bad. It's bad. That's bad. No, no, that that's reversing the,
3: that's, the
0: prayer cycle.
1: That's that, right. That, I'm asking you. Yeah.
3: That, that's that's well, because also there are these money stones and these mo- and stupas and whatnot. And you go clockwise around them. You don't go counterclockwise. You go clockwise around them. Don't
0: you know anything, Misa?
3: It's
1: well, righty tidy, lefty loosey. What browsers do when they go there?
3: <laughs> like I I learned all this stuff. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Yeah, it's. Buddhist belief says, yeah, clockwise is the way to go. So you you yeah. do. You're tightening I, I mean, there are, those, there are, are prayer that are small, and there are these huge ones that take several people to actually get moving. So it's like this prayer wheels of all sizes.
0: I think we're wow. ready to do a show. I think yeah. we're ready to do a show. Pre greased because
3: I, I I seem to have killed the the. the, the the subject by talking about prayer wheels.
0: You just you you brought it to the apex of um everybody's ready to actually record a show on the Green Odyssey. I
3: uh, <clears throat> will get my recorder started Please and do. we
0: can do this. Alright, so uh Will your uh this is your first time. So I'm gonna say I'm hi I am Jesse, and then Paul's gonna say hi, I'm Paul, then Mice is gonna say hi, I'm Mysa, or something to that effect, and then Terence will do something similar. And then you can do the same thing. And if you want to plug your so Twitter account, you can. Although I find it gauche. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what gauche means, but I believe it, it's, it's something gauche. What's left, gauche mean?
1: Jesse left
0: it uh, lacking ease or grace, unsophisticated and socially awkward. Mm. So A shy gauche. <laughs> Yes. A shy and gauche teenager. Do, uh, do the people around you in Nice just go around? With their berets saying gauche all the time?
4: Uh, they don't have berets. And, um Nice is, is a more right-wing um, oh. place.
3: Really?
0: Jesus.
4: That's where the the National Front gets. Oh. Backwards. Really? Oh, I did not know that. That's not
3: good.
0: Oh, well, that's no, bad. I
1: did not know.
3: Ah,
0: uh, now you've depressed me. Good job.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, There's still a minority. There's still a minority.
0: Good. Good. <laughs> so well, what do they say? They don't say gauche, Then what do they say? They got, they no. got a go-to word? <laughs> no. Probably I, I
4: American. I can't say it. <laughs> uh, oh,
0: okay. <laughs> it's racist. Okay. No, Sexist?
4: these are uh, these were, uh, very uh, down to
0: Mm. Oh and now I'm I'm curious, but I I will
4: no. I will
3: beg off or whatever that means.
0: All right, you ready? Here we <laughs> go. <laughs> Here we go.